Good morning, everybody. Good morning to all of you in the room this morning. Good morning to those of you who are joining us by the live stream. It's so good that we get to gather together and uh, ask some big questions about who God is and what he's doing in the world. As Brooke said, we are kicking off a new series this morning. It's called Upside Down. And the idea is that uh, because of so much that Jesus taught, so many of the ways that Jesus modeled life and invited us to live, so much of that kind of flipped reality upside down, we, uh, we need to pause and we need to think about it. We need to imagine what it means that Jesus invites us to live in the upside down kingdom of his father. But hold on, because as you know, being upside down is a little disorienting. So prepare to be a tiny bit disoriented. Uh, speaking of disorientation, my four-year-old granddaughter, Etta, just learned how to copycat. So this is Etta. We will all be gathered together as a family, and pretty soon Etta will start copying one of us. And it takes us a little while to realize what's actually happening. And then we all laugh and smile at her because she is adorable, but also because she's learning how to be funny, which is really, really important to us. But when we laugh at her, it encourages her. So before too long, all the adults are thinking, oh, is this really happening right now? Is this reality? Is this real life that this kid just keeps copying us? Is this real life? That's a question my family's asking a lot lately because life is getting really, really weird. Life just gets weird. What about you? Do you find yourself asking, is this real life right now? Is what I'm experiencing all around me real? Politics gone crazy and then crazier. The death toll from COVID we can't move around and do our life the way we're used to. There's so much division, you know, division among us around issues like economic status, class, the impacts of racism and white supremacy, sexual orientation, the environment, not to mention religion and religious dogma. It feels like we're more divided than ever. In this country, in the church, in this very church. Is this reality? Is this real life? So 2,000 years ago, a man named Paul was preaching a message to people just like us, people trying to figure out what's real, what it means to be human. They were trying to figure out how to live in community even when they disagreed with each other. And people wondered, how do I live my best life, my, this one precious and beautiful life I've been given? So let's look at what Paul has to say to them. He says, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul preached this message 
to people just like us living in an even more uncertain time than we're experiencing right now. So let's just dig into this. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul knew people needed to understand and accept Jesus' invitation to a new upside-down way of living and being in the world. But to accept the invitation, they needed to understand two words, Christ crucified. Christ crucified. These two words turned everything the ancient world thought they knew about strength and weakness upside down. And you know what? These two words need to turn everything we think we know about strength and weakness upside down too. If we don't get Christ crucified, nothing about our faith will make very much sense. We may try really, really hard to believe a few things about Jesus or about Christianity, but those beliefs won't transform our character or our lives. So let's get really, really clear about these two important words. So Christ, Christ means the anointed one of God or Messiah. Savior sent for a special purpose into the world. Jesus Christ claimed to be God, sent by his Father to save the world from sin and evil. So if this is who Jesus the Christ is, God in flesh, Savior of the world, how can Christ be crucified? Christ crucified is nonsense. Criminals are crucified. The weak are crucified. Those with no power are crucified. How could Christ be crucified? Jesus, the Christ, was nailed to a Roman cross, the symbol of strength and domination, the symbol of empire, the symbol of the dominant power structure of his day. Why? Why? Because God isn't playing Rome's game. God wasn't playing empire's game. God isn't playing the game that says might makes right. He or she who talks the loudest wins. God isn't playing the game of clawing and grasping and clinging to hold on to power, to be strong. God isn't playing the domination game. That's the significance of Christ crucified. God wasn't ever going to use his power to dominate us. Instead, God chooses to use weakness, the weakness of the cross, to draw us close. Christ crucified. Jesus' death on the cross turned the dynamic between weakness and strength upside down. In him, weak became the new strong. This is a hard teaching. And a lot of people walk away. But for those of us who stay, this is good news. This is the best news. So what does it mean for us? What does weak is the new strong mean for us when we're trying to figure out, is this real life? What does it mean for my life? For your real, actual, ordinary, all of your life? 
What kind of invitation into a new way of upside-down living is Jesus offering to us? Now, I think this. Jesus' invitation is try it. Try, weak is the new strong. I think it's what Jesus means when he says, pick up your cross and carry it. So has someone ever tried to teach you or to get you to do something in a different way? It's really, really hard to change our ways. But the invitation from Jesus is this. Move beyond just believing that weak is the new strong to testing it out in faith. He doesn't just want us to believe something. He wants us to live it. So here is what Jesus wants us to know and to put into practice. Weakness weakness is not an obstacle, but an opening for the power of God. Weakness is not an obstacle. It's an opening for the power of God. The things that feel like or we think of as weaknesses, according to Jesus, are opportunities, potential openings for God's power to work in and through us. This is a really upside-down idea. We don't, we don't spend that time, much time thinking about our weakness. So in order for you to just kind of get uh, your head around this idea, I have a video for you. This is from a man named Josh Wrights. He, uh, he's going to give a great picture of how weakness can be an opening, not an obstacle for the power of God. I met Josh on an Orchard Hill Church family camping trip. Uh, two summers ago in Missouri. When you see Josh and you get to know him a little bit, you just know he's a really open person. He's an easy person to be friends with. And uh, he's always looking for ways to help. So I asked Josh to share at Takeout Tuesday a couple of weeks ago, and he said yes. And surprise, he shared what he's learning about weakness and uh, how weakness is this opening for God's power. So let's watch. Uh, my name is Josh Wrights. I... Uh live here in Waterloo with my wife of 16 years, Natasha, and we have a great little girl named Mia, who's six. Right now they're battling through uh, online school this year and all that uh, comes with that. Uh, our family, we like to get outdoors a lot, hiking, kayaking. Um, one thing I like to do a lot is run, and uh, running is part of the reason I end up here at Orchard Hill. Uh, all my years of running, I always would listen to a podcast, something that would like just keep my brain working, something positive in my life. And I kind of got hooked on a podcast on Sunday mornings about stewardship. God wasn't a part of my life at all really at that time, but just just seemed positive, so I started listening. And uh, over the years, God was just slowly working on my heart. And um, I knew some people at Orchard Hill through through my work. Uh, so one morning, a cold February morning, I came back from a run and God was just really working on me that day and said, you, you gotta get your family to church. So I came back from the run and came in the house and uh, I said, told my wife, let's go to church. And she's like, what? And uh, you know, she immediately was afraid of like, we're gonna walk in late, everyone's gonna be turning around and staring at us. And uh, I assured her it wouldn't be like that at all. Um, so we made it to church that day. We, we were late. We opened the door and no one stared at us. Um, it was a very welcoming place. And I honestly think that if we went anywhere else that day, uh, we still would not be going to church this day. She did not grow up in the church and it's just been a positive experience for her. 
Uh, so that, that was about two and a half years ago. Um, God's definitely been working on our life. Um, we've seen some changes we've, you know, we've made in our family, but I've still have been sort of struggling with um, you know, weaknesses that I have, like uh, you know, losing my temper, or taking the wrong tone with my wife, being impatient, an impatient driver. Um, and it, it gets to be, you know, frustrating at times. About a month or two ago, uh, during online worship, we're still we're at home yet. Um, just seeing and God just just spoke to me. It just nearly brought me to tears. And what I heard was, you know, God is not done with you. And it was just a overwhelming feeling. It was a feeling of relief and hope. And I just was so glad to hear that. I definitely needed to hear it that morning. So I started looking into this a little bit more, reading. Um, and I came across Paul uh, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He's, he's talking about a, a thorn in his side, his, his weaknesses that he has. And um, what he said, you know, God didn't take away his weaknesses, but what, what, what he did say was that God told him that uh, through, through him, um, his power is made perfect in weakness. And what that just, I take from that is that if, if I know my weaknesses, if I can admit to them, then I affirm God's power. And that just brings me hope, just knowing that if I, if I own those, I'm closer to God. And you know, it's also just was a good reminder that this, is a, this journey is, is a lifetime. It is not something that happens overnight. Um, and in the meanwhile, during this journey, I'm going to embrace those, those weaknesses, know them, work on them, own them, and thus be closer to God. So good. Thank you, Josh. Thank you so much for doing that. Did you, did you see how Josh's awareness of his weaknesses didn't keep him away from God, but pulled him closer? They, didn't, they weren't an obstacle to God. They pulled him closer to God. And then, did you notice how when Josh made space to worship God on a Sunday morning, even if it's in his living room, it was during worship he heard the encouragement in his head. Josh, I'm not done with you. Hold on. Remember, you're on a journey. And hearing this then prompted him to engage the Bible, where he found this little nugget of upside-down gold from Paul. Let's look at it. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. That's what Paul heard about his weakness. It's what he heard God say to him when he was battling his own weaknesses. Your weakness doesn't disqualify you from my power. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So your weakness, my weakness, is not an obstacle, but an opening for God's power, if we let it, for the very power of God. So let's talk a little bit about how this can work in our lives, how we can test this, how we can try this. The first thing, and you heard it in Josh, we just have to become aware. We, to experience weak is the new strong, 
we have to identify and become aware of our own weaknesses. So this first part requires something that most of us try to avoid. And I don't know why, if it's because uh, we feel shame or fear that maybe God won't love us if we have weaknesses, but that's just stinking thinking, as all of my coach friends like to say. God already knows your weaknesses. He knows them better than you do. So we're gonna bravely become aware of our weaknesses. So what do I mean? Let's think for a minute about anger, okay? Anger stemming from politics. Anger stemming from all the brokenness in the world. Anger because we feel so powerless to change things. There's a lot of anger right now. Is it possible that anger could be wrapped up in a bundle of our weakness? I think it probably is. Or what about fear? Fear is the anticipation of evil. Sometimes fear masquerades as anger. So if you're angry, check in with your fear. Maybe that's what you need to become more aware of. Like maybe we have some kind of mixed up fear, anger, stew going on in our life. For some of us, weakness comes in the form of unhealed relationship wounds, usually from attacks or withdrawal of love from really important people, by really important people in our life, our parents, our kids, our partners. Or maybe, for you, it's that you just long to be forgiven. Or you're the one unable to forgive. Maybe you've been abandoned by the one you thought would be in your life forever, by your side forever. Most of us have some relationship wounds, and they're heavy to carry around. Another common weakness is comparison. And this is a sneaky weakness that I think we all have, and it always sounds like this, um, involves this internal question in our minds. Am I better or worse than, then you fill in the blank. Am I better or worse than other parents? Other Christians, other husbands, other wives, this coworker or that coworker sound familiar? Comparison, not trap, can be a weakness for us. And then sometimes comparison turns into impatience about the pace of your growth or your transformation. That was what happened to Josh, right? Just impatient, feeling that God is present and working in the lives of everyone else except for mine. Am I doing something wrong? What's going on here? And then there's my personal favorite weakness, control, this desire to control things. It's a common weakness of people called parents. It starts when you try to get your baby to sleep at a certain time for a certain length of time, and then it never ends. It just evolves, and you try to control friendships and academics and extracurriculars and what kind of jobs they choose when they get older. And if you are constantly forwarding job listings to your 32-year-old person, you probably have some control issues. It might be your weakness. We even try to control our kids' adult faith journeys. I wonder how many of our kids have unhealed relationship wounds because of our desire to control. So the first step is just be aware. 
Become aware, identify your weaknesses. So I wanna talk to the people in the room, and I know some of you are in the room this morning, who have just a deep heart wound. You have a broken heart from illness, injury, disease. You have just that deep grief from losing a spouse or a child or a dear friend. Grief and pain feels like crushing weakness. But even there, it can be an opening for the power of God. And I know that seems like a really upside down kind of thing. So what is your weakness? Can you name two or three? Don't be afraid. Weaknesses actually make us more lovable. Can you believe that? Who wants to be around people who are always strong, always right, always have it all together? No one. People without weakness don't exist. And if you don't believe me, then you just found your weakness, and it's called delusion. (laughs) The only kind of people that exist are wounded, weak, wonderful people. They're God's only options to work through. God has no other plan. So he's got us, and he's happy about it. So the first practical way to embrace Christ crucified is to live as if weak really is the new strong. It's to become aware of your weaknesses and see them as an opening for the power of God. But you can't stop at becoming aware. Wait for it. You have to share. So rhyming is not a weakness of mine. Weak is the new strong, And if you want to step into it, if you want to test it out, you're going to have to share your weaknesses after you become aware of them. So first you share with God. Does anybody in the room have trouble praying? I know that I do. Most of us do. Sharing your weakness with God is a prayer. It sounds like this. God, I am angry and irritable, and I just want to pinch people on the back of the arm right now. That's a prayer. God, this anxiety about the future is weighing me down. It's robbing me of sleep. It's hurting my relationships with the people I love. God, I can't let go of the hurt from my friend, from my mom, from my husband, from my boss. I just keep turning it over and over again, replaying it in my mind. Share your weakness with God. Test this out. And good news, God already knows. God isn't going to say like, oh, Carla, I didn't know that about you. No, God already knows our weaknesses. And God's going to say, good, oh, good. Now we're in a place where my power can work through you and in you. And like in Josh's story, if you acknowledge and identify your weakness, and then you make some space to worship God, engage the Bible, or just sit quietly for just a few minutes, it doesn't have to be a long time, you may hear a small whisper, like Josh did. Hold on. I'm still working in you. My grace will get you through. Share your weakness with God. And then, with a few people that you trust, share your weakness with a few carefully selected people. And this is going to take some vulnerability. And that doesn't come easy to most of us. So pick your people wisely. 
don't pick a person who you never, ever have seen vulnerable. Like, don't pick the strongest, most in control, most put together person that you can find. And don't pick a gossip, because that's a horrible idea. Pick a loyal friend that you can trust, or even a loyal group of people that you can trust. In the upside down kingdom of Jesus, this is the promise. True spiritual power breaks open when we vulnerably, honestly share a weakness with a trusted friend. There's power there. When you share your weakness, it's a gift to other people. They feel relief. They think maybe if you don't have to hide, maybe I don't have to hide either. Maybe they can start to trust that it really is true, that things really have been turned upside down, that weak is the new strong, that weakness isn't an obstacle, but an opening for the power of God. One last thing. As you do this, as you practice living as if weak is the new strong, you just have to stay awake and keep your eyes open. When you try out weak is the new strong, stuff's going to happen. It might just happen inside of you. But new, possibly surprising things are going to begin to happen in your life, and it might look something like this. When you become aware of your weakness and share them with God, this power is going to seep out. And if your weakness is acting out of anger, stay awake. God may teach you something new. Almost anything that can be accomplished with anger can be done better without it. That's an upside-down idea. Almost anything that can be accomplished with anger can be done better without it. If you start being more vulnerable, sharing your weaknesses with a friend or your wife or your husband, that relationship is going to deepen. You are going to, it's going to become more tender. Your hearts are going to soften for each other, and that is the power of God bursting in. What could happen if we could learn to surrender a little bit of control? Think about surrendering the desire to micromanage your teenager or adult kids. They might, and there's no guarantee here, but they might call more often. Or they might be more willing to talk about like real stuff, the real stuff that's going on in your life. That's the power of God bursting in. So, when we become aware of our weaknesses, let them out into the light by sharing them with God and trusted friends and then practice watching for the power of God to burst in, we've stepped into the upside down kingdom of Jesus. And that kingdom, that world that Jesus makes a way for us to enter is a good and safe place to be. Even when the world around you makes you ask, is this real life? So remember this, this is God's promise. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. God is graciously intervening in human life, in human history, overcoming evil with good. And Christ crucified unleashed a stream of grace and love that is sufficient for us weak humans. Our weakness is an opening for that grace, and grace is power. Grace is God's true power, and we're all invited. 
We're all invited to test it, to step into it, to practice living it, to celebrate it. We're all invited into the upside down kingdom of Jesus. It's just waiting for those of us who will trust that weakness is not an obstacle, but an opening for God's power to shine through because weak is the new strong. You pray with me and then we're gonna sing. God, we ask that you forgive us because we make you so small, God. We try to stuff you into the way we see and understand and experience reality. When the truth is, God, we just acknowledge that you are so far beyond anything or anyone that we can even imagine. You are the source of all things. You hold all things together with your mighty arm. You pour grace and love out into the world and your, your one requirement is that we realize that we need it and we can step into its stream so that your grace and your love can pour out of us. So God, as we lift our voices together and we praise you, help us to remember that you have come to turn things upside down. You have come to restore and redeem and renew all things through the crucified Christ, Jesus Christ, our maker, the one who loves us, the one who just waits to pour power through love into our lives. So as we sing, uh, strengthen us as we consider what it means to be just weak people in desperate need of your power. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.